Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hey, here at Calvary Chapel South Bay, whether Christmas Eve or not, we believe in studying the Bible. And so if you would, turn with me in your Bible to three areas, Matthew chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 7, and Luke's gospel chapter 2. Once again, let me give you those areas of scripture, Matthew 1, Isaiah 7, Luke chapter 2. Two. I'm so thankful to see you guys here tonight. Uh, we decided to have a later service for those that would not be able to attend. And let me say what a joy it is to be with you all. Now, my hope is to be under an hour so that you will stay awake through the entire service. Amen? Now, those of you that are shocked that I'm in a suit, don't get used to it. This will be probably the last time you see me one, except at your funeral. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and prepare our hearts. Father, I'm so thankful that we get to celebrate together today the birth of your son. And as we study your word, I pray in Jesus' name that you would minister to us a truth, something that we can take this Christmas and celebrate. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen. It's Matthew chapter 1. I'll pick it up in verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, so spoken by Jesus, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus had given Matthew some incredible insight. And what I'd like to do is move for a minute from the birth of Jesus to after the resurrection of Jesus. And it would be after the resurrection that the disciples would enter into, well, Jesus Christ University. And he would begin to open their eyes to the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament and explain Bible verses to him. Now, Bible verses to the disciples. Now, there was no Isaiah 7. He would open up the scrolls and take them to Isaiah chapter 7. He would read to them this verse, The virgin shall be with child and bear a son, so that shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, say it with me, God with us. You see, after the resurrection, Jesus would teach the disciples. It's Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Listen, then he said to him, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled. In other words, I will fulfill the scriptures which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. In other words, The things that were written in the Old Testament were written for Jesus to fulfill. Not only were they historical, they were also prophetic. And the Bible says he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Now, 
In Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, Matthew gets it. Jesus had shown him Isaiah chapter 7, and that this verse in Isaiah 7, it was speaking of Jesus. It was a message that was given back in Isaiah. It was a time when there was a message of hope in a hopeless situation. It would be a sign to encourage when everything else seemed lost. And the message was, Emmanuel, God is with us. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7 so that you can see quite possibly as we enter this Christmas into the schoolroom of Jesus and understand what exactly is going on. I'll pick it up in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, I'll pick it up in verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. Now, I need you to stop there for just a minute because I've got to describe to you who this Ahaz is. He's a king. And he is a rough dude. He is a wicked guy. I won't take the time to go into detail of the kind of man that he was. But let me just say, he was found to be naughty and not nice. This man led the children of Israel into the depths of sin and into the depths of despair. Ahaz was a wicked man. He, had, he was a sinful man. And though God was trying to get his attention, he wasn't listening. And now he finds himself with two kingdoms, Israel and Syria, the northern kingdom, attacking the southern kingdom, and Syria aligning with the northern kingdom. They're outnumbered two to one. God comes on the scene and invades the situation and says to Ahaz, talk to me, ask me, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign no matter what you ask. I want to get a message across to you. I want to share something with you, Ahaz, despite the fact as wicked as you are. But Ahaz in verse 12 said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Ahaz had walked away from God so desperately, had ignored God so wickedly, he says, I'm not going to ask. I don't want anything to do with God. Ahaz, he worshipped the creation instead of the creator. He worshipped things like stars and things that were made out of trees. He worshipped the mountains. He looked at the creation and worshipped it instead of worshipping the creator. And when God says, listen, I want to rescue you. I want to save you. I want to deliver you. Just talk to me. He says, no, I will not test the Lord. Well, he sounds all super spiritual, doesn't he? This is like you, and is, let's say that you don't even know God, and you walk into church today, and you've come with your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle, and someone says, God bless you, and you just say it back, God bless you, but you don't even believe in God. That's exactly what Ahaz, where Ahaz was at. You see, he was already testing the Lord by not doing what God had asked him to do. God said, ask me, and he said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. That amazes me. Because God wants to deliver him. God wants to pour out his loving kindness on him. Verse 13, Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? 
Therefore, the Lord God himself will give you a sign. Here it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, say it with me, Emmanuel. I love Isaiah. He's the messenger of God. And Isaiah calls Ahaz out. He says to him, don't think you can wear God out like, you're wear, like you've worn everyone else out. Ahaz was so wicked, listen, that when he died, the people were so done with him, they didn't even bury him with the other kings in Jerusalem. They were just done with him. <coughs> we want nothing to do with you. You caused us to lose our families. You led us astray. You closed up the temple. You wouldn't allow us to worship. We want nothing to do with you, Ahaz, because we're looking at your life and looking at our situation, and we're in the midst of very, very dark times. But God was letting him know something else. Even though the ancients were saying to Ahaz, we've had it and we're done with you, God was saying, you can't wear me out. I don't give up on anyone. No matter who they are or no matter what they have done, you can't wear me out. And so God gives him a sign. And he gives him a sign of a woman that would give birth to a child. And this woman would name that child Emmanuel. God with us. A sign that was pointing to the very fact of God's unconditional love, of his wonderful grace, of his eternal mercy. Ahaz, I know where you're at, but I'm trying to invade into your world, and I'm going to invade with a child who will be named Emmanuel. And this child can remind you that God is with us. In such dark times, what a beacon of hope that God is with us. The child was a sign that God is with us. And to prove it, Ahaz was delivered. When the child could know right from wrong, only about three years into his life, and only about three years from this point, Ahaz was delivered, but he still refused God. He wanted nothing to do with God. God continued over the course of his life to show him his kindness. Because the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And though the Lord continued to pursue him, he chose to refuse God to his dying day. What about you? How has God been trying to get your attention? He knows what you've done. He knows where you've been. And God will do whatever it takes to get your attention. Ahaz lost family members. He lost friends. And all the while, he refused because God has given us a will. And because he's given us a will that we get to choose whether we want God or not, God will never give up the pursuit to try and get your attention. This child that was born was pointing to God's great grace, pointing to God's great mercy, pointing to God's great love in the midst of dark times, saying, I want to deliver you. I want to save you. This child would be a sign that points to God's grace that no matter how deep the stain of your life, God can make it clean. That's what he was telling Ahaz. That no matter, this, uh, this child was pointing to God's mercy. No matter how far you've run from God, he'll meet you there. This child was a sign of God's love. 
even if all you, if everyone has forsaken you, he will continue to pursue you. And when Jesus was teaching Matthew, he got it. You're the child. You're the child of God's example of grace and mercy and love. Mary, who was a virgin. Matthew, who overemphasizes the point that Mary and Joseph did not come together. Matthew got it. And the truth that Matthew came to understand is the same truth for each and every one of us today. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He gave us his son in the midst of dark days. And only through him can we be saved. Don't be like Ahaz and refuse the child today. Because that child grew into a man in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. And because he was born as a man, he was able to die for our sins. But he was a son who was given. And so he was also God. And as God, he was able to live the sinless life. And he was able to die the death. But as God, he was able to raise up from the grave and he was able to conquer death and offer eternal life. Now God's given you a will. And you can choose to refuse him if you so make that decision. But if you do, it doesn't make God wrong. Just because you don't agree with God doesn't mean that God is wrong. He is with us. And because he's given you this will, he will never stop pursuing you. He will never give up on you. The question is, will you give up on him? Now, while this child in Matthew, in Isaiah chapter 7, was a child of Isaiah's day, remember, we're in Jesus Christ University. And as Matthew came to understand, and as Jesus pointed to this child in Isaiah 7, he was saying, I'm the fulfillment of Isaiah 7. God is with you. You see, his name was Jesus. That was the name that the angels told Joseph to name. Yahweh saved Jesus, Yeshua. He'll save his people from his sins. No matter how deep, how far, or how, if everyone has forsaken you, Jesus can still save you. Once again, a child is pointing us toward the fact that God's with us. He won't give up on you. He'll never give up on you. I don't know if you know this, but I was a lifeguard at Fort Lauderdale Beach. Do you remember in the late 80s when everybody was going to spring break in Fort Lauderdale and how they destroyed the city? Well, I was there. And let me tell you, they weren't on Santa's nice list, okay? They were evil. The things that they did, the things that I saw, it was just unbelievable. And when they would go out into the water as drunk as what they were, when I would see them drowning from the lifeguard tower, I would deserve you right. You better drown. No, I'm a lifeguard. I would never say that. I was trained to save And as soon as I would see someone drowning, no matter what they've done, no matter how silly or dumb it was for them to go out in the water drunk, I would come down out of my tower, run down that beach, hop out into the water, and I would swim all the way to that person to save them because that's my job. It always amazed me. I'll never forget. I swam out to one guy. 
And then I got out to him. He looked at me and he goes, I'm good. You're drowning, dude. Like, you are going to die. So I started to swim swim away. Don't leave me, started to cry. So I went to him and I threw in my buoy. He climbed up the buoy and now he's trying to drown me. So I go underwater and he doesn't follow me underwater. I swim away from him and I said, listen, if I'm going to save you, I'm going to save you my way. You don't get to choose how I'll save you. Jesus is our eternal lifeguard. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, when he sees you drowning in that water, he leaves that tower, runs across that beach, swims out there, and he is going to save. It's just what he does. Now, when he comes, will you be like Ahaz? I'm good. Don't need you. I'll make it. You're going to drown. Ahaz did. And the sign of this child that was born to us was the same sign it was for him. A child that would deliver. A child that would save. A child that would be the display of God's grace. Emmanuel. God with us. That's the meaning of Christmas. That's why this season is filled with joy. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. That's what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 16, verse 11. God's with us. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And so we should be one of the most joyful people on the world. Think of Mary. Think of Mary and how joyful she was as God was with her and the angels, excuse me, the shepherds came in and told her the story of how this angelic choir came and sang from heaven, glory to God in the highest. God was with her. Think of Anna and Simeon when Jesus is a 40-day-old baby would go into the temple and they would see God with them. And Simeon would raise the child with so much joy. Anna, filled with joy, would run out of the temple and proclaim to everyone that the redemption of Israel was here. Think of Joseph. God was with him. When the Magi showed up and gave the provision of gold and frankincense and myrrh that would help this small family survive, though they were so far away from home, God was with them. Think of the joy that Jesus brought, the fullness of joy as he began to grow in his life. God was with us. You see, to a father, to a father who thought no one could help his child, God was with him. And Jesus said to that dad, all things are possible to him who believes. Emmanuel, God's with us. To the disciples who were sinking in a boat, they thought they were going to die. God was there in the boat with them. God with them. Emmanuel. And he spoke to that storm and he brought peace to those waters. Emmanuel. To a family who had lost their little brother Lazarus. Jesus, God with us, shows up on the scene, Emmanuel, And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Emmanuel, God with us. He is the display of the great grace and the great mercy and the great love of God. If all forsaken, he still loves. 
If you feel like you've run too far, his mercy will meet you there. If you think there's no way to return, his grace will reach into that situation and say, Emmanuel, I'm with you. Now, some of you have spent the afternoon in Target. Target, as we call it in my family. Or maybe you've been in the line at Vons like me. And I couldn't believe that the manager thought all they needed was two cashiers today. Just two. Now, I counted ten lines that were empty. No cashiers. And the line went all the way down aisle nine. You could feel the tension. Now, some of you had to run to Target today just to get that one last little gift. And you could feel the tension. No longer is there Christmas joy. It's Christmas frustration. And they had that last little stocking stuffer. And you looked at that lady and she looked at you. And all of a sudden, you are sprinting down aisle two to get it. I don't know about you, but you might say, I've lost my joy. Christmas just isn't what it used to be. And even as a believer, you got a little bah humbug in you. You got a little, I'm not putting up the lights this year. And we ain't doing a tree. And we're not doing all those fixings, and we ain't spending that money. We're in a recession. So bah humbug. And it's not about tree. It's not about the presence. It's about possibly what's happening in your heart. You're filled with anxiety. You're worried. In fact, since the pandemic, some people have not even come back to church. They're so anxious and so worried. Now, you remember the first day that you came to Jesus and you were in his presence. There was so much joy. And you've exchanged that joy for the misery of some moments. Well, maybe you need to learn a lesson from Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Because they understand this very well. And maybe their problem this Christmas might be yours as well. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I want you to see this. Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 40. You know this story. It's Luke chapter 2. It's our incredible Christmas story. But I want you to see something about the presence of God. Luke chapter 2, I'll start in verse 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. God was with us. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. God was with them. And when they went to the feast, there was so much joy. And let me explain. The festivities of the eight days of Passover is like no other in Israel. It's just a profound experience of joy and family getting together. And while Jesus was with them, there was fullness of joy. Verse 43, when they'd finished the days as, uh, uh, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they didn't find him, they, didn't return, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, imagine that moment, 
They were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. Now, let's not be so hard on these parents. I understand this plight. Now, please don't judge me. We have nine kids. We were on our way from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to North Carolina. My parents had a cabin up there. And we had loaded all the kids in an Astrovan. It was the, remember the Astrovans? We had loaded all of them in the Astrovan. We were on the toll road, and we were on our way to North Carolina, and all of a sudden, Andrea yells out, Elia. We left her in the crib. We had eight of them. We just left one behind. Now, the thing about the toll road is you got to keep going. You can't do a U-turn until the next exit. My wife was filled with fear and anxiety until... Now, you parents are looking at me like, I can't believe that you did that. I understand Mary and Joseph, Okay. I understand being with the big crowd of people. And when we got back, thank God for the angel Gabriel, because we're convinced that he just kind of cooed with her for the entire time of about 15 to 20 minutes that we were not with our child. And we found her in the crib, just like this, at perfect, perfect peace. But Mary and Joseph were filled with anxiety. I get it. They lost Jesus. They lost him. Now imagine you're Joseph, and God has given you the privilege to raise the Son of God. You're the foster father of the Son of God. If I was Joseph, I would feel like a complete failure. Three days, I can't find him. Imagine Mary. You held the Son of God in your womb, and you lost him. You lost the presence of God. And when they went to the feast with Jesus... God was with them. There was so much joy of those eight days of Passover. And without even realizing it, they walked away from the presence of God in the hustle and the bustle of life. I know you want to be hard on me, and maybe you want to be hard on Mary and Joseph, but I got a question. Is it possible that we've walked away from being in the presence of God and the joy of our salvation has turned into the misery of our moments. We've allowed Christmas to bring us down. Our kids, our job, our sport, even our success quite possibly has caused us to walk away. We weren't even aware, just like Mary and Joseph. We didn't know what was happening because they didn't know either. So we can't be so hard on these parents because they didn't know. And maybe you're just realizing it now. No wonder I'm so anxious. No wonder I've lost my joy. No wonder I'm depressed or distraught. I haven't been in prayer. I haven't been in the Word. I haven't been in fellowship. And maybe right now you're having that home alone moment. Do you remember Home Alone? That great Christmas movie, right? Do you remember when the mom was in the airplane and all of a sudden she realizes something and she says, Kevin! And maybe right now you're on the airplane of your life and you're finally realizing, Jesus, 
I've lost the daily presence of the Lord. Then I want to encourage you this Christmas season to do something. I want to encourage you to do what Mary and Joseph did. They returned to Jerusalem. They went back to where they lost him. You see, at first, they tried to find Jesus amongst their friends and family. But I got to tell you something. They were hoping that someone did what they neglected to do. They were hoping to find Jesus. Well, let me express something to you. You're not saved because granny is. You're not saved because someone in your family is. You don't have a relationship with Christ simply because you come to church. You see, the truth is, we're responsible for our relationship with the Lord. We're responsible to keep the presence of God in our lives. We're responsible because God is with us. For him, it doesn't matter where you're at. It matters where you're headed. The truth of the matter is, James describes it best. If we draw near to him, just like Mary and Joseph, and we go back to where we've come from, he will draw near to us. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment. Can you just imagine three days losing your child? And he just so happens to be the son of God. Okay? You've lost God. Okay? So you are Joseph, and you're going all around Jerusalem, which is a big city. There's no, like, Amber Alert. There's no, like, highway where you can see, check this license plate, this child was taken. There's no, like, cell phone. There's no any kind of communication. You're going from store to store. Hey, have you seen a kid? He's about this big. He's 12 years old. Hey, have you seen the kid? He's about this big. He's 12 years old. Hey, he's got long hair. He's got a flowing robe, a little blue slash. I'm telling you, he's a great kid. Have you seen him? Imagine Mary. I can't believe it, Joseph. You lost Jesus. I mean, just imagine going to bed for three days. And then all of a sudden you come in the temple and you look and there's your son. Imagine the relief. Imagine the peace as Mary and Joseph ran to Jesus. That peace and that joy is not just available to Mary and Joseph. You see, God is with us. And they got back to the presence of God. And they had an inexpressible joy. They had a peace that passes understanding. And Jesus, he didn't refuse them. He's the God of all grace and mercy and love. The question is not whether God is with us. The question is, are you with him? You see, the message of Christmas, his name is Jesus, Yahweh. Yahweh saves. And he can save no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. The message of Christmas, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. No matter where you are, he will not give up the pursuit because he's God. It's just what he does. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful for the message of Christmas. And I'm so grateful for the great grace of God. 
And now we come before you. And I believe, Lord, there's an opportunity for even believers, Mary and Joseph were believers, to find our way back home, back to the presence of God. So I pray now, would your spirit move? Lord, grant us today the opportunity to be in the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. This Christmas, a child was born. And in speaking to a man whose name was Nicodemus, Jesus said, you must be born again. A child would come into the world who would grow, be the sinless God-man. And he would offer salvation to anyone who believes. Chance to begin again. Well, this Christmas... I need to let you know something. Each and every one of us one day will take a last breath. And the message may be me like Isaiah to you. The message is God saves. Because when we die, we will face an eternity. Either with God or without God. Now, Ahaz refused God. I'm not even going to talk to him. I'm not even going to pray. I'm a self-made man. What, what part of you kept you breathing last night, Ahaz? But God's given you a will. And he will allow you to refuse him. And because he's given a will, he will never give up the pursuit. Because he loves loves you no matter where you're at. So don't be the person that's drowning and refuse to be saved. Maybe you're a believer like Mary and Joseph. And this Christmas, your eyes are opened. You've had the Jesus moment. No wonder I've got so much anxiety. No wonder I've lost my joy. lost the presence I need to go back we want to offer that for you tonight that if there's anyone who wants to make a step of faith towards the Lord it's night the 10 o'clock service you get up out of your seat and you come forward and you say today I want the presence of God in my life Gannon begins to sing. You simply get up out of your seat. You come forward so that we can pray together. Well, why are you calling me out on Christmas Eve? Because that's what Jesus did. He always called people publicly.
to take a step of faith. This church is praying for you, and that step is going to give you the strength to stand in faith outside of this church. So as Gannon begins to sing, if today's your day to say, I want the presence of Jesus in my life, and I want to know Jesus Christ is my Savior, then you come forward. He came to save. If tonight, like Mary and Joseph, you're a believer, and you just want to get back to the presence of God, then come forward. Take your step of faith. Let's get back to what you've lost. Gannon, would you lead us in song? Church, would you be in prayer? Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Church would you stand with us I want to say Merry Christmas and this year let's purpose to practice the presence to not let Jesus just be a part of Christmas but every part of our life not just a day to remember that God sent his son but a lifestyle that chooses to follow. And as we celebrate Christmas this year, let it be a reminder, Emmanuel, God is with us. We're going to close with O Holy Night, and let it be that for you, a holy moment in worship to God. Church, Merry Christmas. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.